All right, guys. Well, listen, welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here. Is there anybody excited to be in church today? Wow, man. Listen, high five the person next to you because you guys were more alive than the 945 service. Seriously. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's because that we give you guys more sleep. I think that's the reason why. And I, if, I, if I was to be in your shoes, I would be attending this service and I would attend it every single week, right? 11, 15, it would just be like, perfect, man. I get to wake up, you know, get to lounge around the house, get to eat a little breakfast, get to do what I want, maybe work out, and then I get to go to church. It would be awesome. So I'm so glad that you guys take advantage of our 1115 worship service. In fact, tell some other friends, tell some other people, and invite them, all right? Uh, Because God's doing great stuff around here. Well, my name's Jeff, and uh, I'm one of the pastors on staff. I want to welcome everyone that's worshiping with us in North Platte, as well as the venue. Thank you so much. We are one church in multiple locations, and it's all happening live right now. Uh, And I think that that's pretty incredible. Today, we are in a current teaching series that we've entitled Live Dead. Now, if you've been around for the last few weeks, then you would know uh, what this teaching series is all about. But if I could just like sum it up for everybody, uh, especially for those that might be new with us or haven't worshiped with us for a while and you're back, uh, we just want to let you know that what we're focused on today, the big issue we're focused on is how we can, how we can live more for God's desires than for our own desires. The ultimate mission in life is to die to ourself and our selfish ways and to come alive with Christ in godly ways. And this whole teaching series is focused on that. Plus, this teaching series is focused on how can we take the message of Jesus Christ and get it out to the community in a way that's even more, uh, more powerful than it's ever been before. We believe that the local church is the hope of the world, and we believe that the message of Jesus is the most powerful message that could ever be preached and could ever be shared with anyone. Amen? Amen. Two people. Good. <clears throat> Love it. It's awesome. Um, So in talking today, we're going to be dealing with teamwork. That's the message. How can we build the right team and how can we be the right team player? How many of you guys are uh, into baseball? Anybody baseball fans here? Three people that are not willing to make a peep but raise a hand? Okay, got it. I understand. Does anybody know that the World Series is happening right now? Because for a moment there, I thought I was just going to have to skip that whole illustration. Um, You know, baseball... You know, it's America's pastime, right? You're anti-American if you don't know about baseball. Um, Just let that sink in for a moment. Um, It's played with a bat, a ball, and a glove. It's pretty simple, right? Four bases. But the best team in 2016 that had the best record was the Cubs, Chicago Cubs. Now, oh wow, we have more people that like the Cubs than like baseball. That's interesting. (laughs) We're, we're not talking about little furry cubs. That's not what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about a baseball team. This past summer, I was able to go to Chicago, go to the historic Wrigley Field. Anybody been to Wrigley Field before? Watch the baseball? That was a real gamble based on all the responses so far. And my wife was one of the people because I took her. Okay. So, yeah, we went there. We watched one because I was so intrigued with this team this year. Like, I'm not a big baseball watcher. I... If baseball's on TV, it's normally, well, I'm falling asleep, right? And then I wake up and I'm like, wow, where did all those innings go? It's in the seventh inning now. Uh, I started watching it in the first. And so 
I went to watch this because this team in 2016 has the best record in baseball for this current series. And I was so intrigued with what I was hearing about the team. Here's some things you need to know about them. They're one of the two best teams now in baseball because they're playing in the World Series. Uh, the last time that they were in the World Series was in 1945. How, how many of you guys were not even born in 1945? Yeah. All right, now, now we're getting some cheers. They're like, yes, for youthfulness. Um, you know, but if you were born in 1946, you do realize you're still, you know, old, right? Okay, I just want to make sure that, that we're clear on that. I mean, that's been a lot of years ago. Um, so that's the last time that they were there. The last time they won the World Series, check this out, the last time they were the best of the best in what they do was 1908. Who was alive in 1908? Okay, I didn't think so. Uh, that's... That's a lot of years ago, guys, right? Can you imagine playing on a team, being a part of a team, a club called the the Chicago Cubs that hasn't been the best of the best since 1908? Wow, it's amazing to me. And so here's what I was so intrigued with with the team is that they have a group of players that this group of players is willing to play any position that they're asked to play. They'll bat anywhere in the lineup that they're asked to bat, and they don't complain about it, that they're not playing this season for individual stats, they're playing for the team stats. It's been so intriguing to watch this team throughout the year, where the manager will take a guy who who was playing third base the night before, and now he's playing first base. This kind of stuff, this type of management concepts were, were not heard of when I was a kid playing baseball. Like when I went out for my high school baseball team, I went out for one position, right? And I got that position and I played that position. And there was no moving people around. There was this, that's the position you play and now you're going to do it. And then even when I was a kid watching Major League Baseball, there was these players that that's all they did. They played one position. And then there was somebody that was called like a multi-purpose player and they didn't really play anywhere. They just kind of played whenever someone got hurt, or whenever they needed them. But in today's, today's baseball, in the Chicago Cubs, they play it completely different. It's not about you and you just are going to be the gold glove or the outstanding player at this one position. We wanted, they wanted people that would be willing to play any position and just live their life for the greater sake of the team than for their own individual glory. That's what makes this team so attractive to me, is that it's full of players that really, truly understand teamwork. And that's why they had the best record. Now, they're not playing the best in the World Series. I don't, it, right now, it doesn't matter to me whether they win or they lose. The thing that I love about them is their heart for teamwork. And that reminded me that all of us, we need to have a team of people that are around us. And the right team of people around you is going to help you succeed on this earth, and it's going to help you succeed spiritually. For eternity. I believe God wants you to succeed while you're here on this earth. I believe God wants you to be the best manager, the best teacher, the best coach, the best businessman or businesswoman. God wants you to be the best nurse, the best doctor, the best lawyer. God, I believe, I believe gave you the gift and he wants you to exercise it for his glory. He wants you to work for his glory and he wants you to be the best at it. To do that, you've got to have a group of people around you to make you the best. You don't become the best at what you do by just being the lone ranger and by just, you know, thinking about yourself and never pulling anyone else in to evaluate, to coach you, to better you, to speak into your life, to disagree with you at times. 
But more importantly, more importantly, God wants you to win spiritually. And you don't win spiritually without bringing the right people around you. There's great examples of biblical teams. Jesus, I think, gave the best one where he he recruited the 12 originally, and then he had a larger group than that. But he had those 12 around him, and 11 of those 12 went on to do incredible things for the gospel. In fact, their team effort has translated all the way to the church being planted in Kearney, the church being planted in North Platte, and the gospel continuing to advance even to this day. And it really primarily was because what Jesus modeled for them. And then when Jesus sent them out by teams, he sent them out two by two. And then you see after Jesus' death and his resurrection and his ascension to heaven, you see the very first missionaries, you know, being Paul and Barnabas. Those guys are some of the first to ever start to spread the gospel um, into the known world that those guys win as a team. If you know anything about, the, about Acts, and if you don't, then I would encourage you to read it. It's a great book. Um, it's in the New Testament after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Um, in the book of Acts, you see Paul and Barnabas, these two guys going out and doing this missionary work, and then they get to a moment where they even disagree, that they disagree on who to take with them to be a part of the what? The team. And so because of their disagreement, they go two different directions with teams, See, their disagreement wasn't whether we should go alone or whether we should go as a team. They were always together on the attitude of, we need to go as a team. We're going to be more productive as a team. In fact, when you look in the New Testament, there wasn't a single church planted and there wasn't a major missionary effort done with someone doing it alone. It was always done as a team. So if, it was, if that's what was needed for the early church and the advancement of the gospel then... And if that's what's needed for the group like the Cubs to play as effectively as they're playing, how much more important is it for you in your own spiritual journey and in your spiritual life so that you can become all that God wants you to be? It's vital. That's what it is. Without the right team around you, you just made it 10 times as hard to live dead to this world and come alive in Christ. With the right team around you, all of a sudden things that were impossible have just become possible. So today, what does the ultimate team look like? What does that team look like that you're trying to really bring around yourself? First off, the ultimate team is going to be a group of people that are going to help you accomplish more than you ever could do on your own. There's a famous quote. It says, teamwork makes dream work. Come on now, that was cute. You got to admit that, right? Oh, I don't even use the word cute, and that was cute. All right? Teamwork makes dream work. You're going to want to write that down because when you go back to your office or you go back to your workplace and you lead your little group, you're going to say it this week, right? You, you can't even help yourself but say that teamwork makes, makes the dream work. That's right. And when you do use it this week, all I ask you to do is just say, I heard my pastor say this. All right? That's all I ask you to do. Why? Because it's going to create a spiritual conversation for you, not because I need to have my voice heard. Because that quote came from someone else who came from someone else who came from someone else. In fact, I can't even tell you who really said it. It came from so many different people. So it's a famous quote. Teamwork, right, makes the dream work. And in your life, you need to have a dream. you got to have a dream. And part of your dream should be this, that you're not just going to live for God one day, but you're going to live for God as a lifestyle and for a lifetime fully devoted to God. Amen? Does anybody here want to do that? Of course. That's why you're here today. That's why you're here today. And if it's not why you're here today, then reprogram the heart to now say, you know what I want? I want to live my lifetime fully devoted to God. 
Because a lifetime is radically different than one day. A life might be lived one day at a time, but if you want to live a lifetime fully devoted to God, then you got to have the right team around you. You have to. Michael Jordan is arguably one of the best, if not the best, basketball player that's ever lived. He said these words. He said, talent wins a game, but teamwork wins a championship. See, in your life, we're not talking today about you just winning today or just winning one day, like tomorrow, because alone you can win a day, but alone you'll never win the championship, meaning by yourself you'll never win the lifetime, the lifetime fully devoted to Christ. Let's just admit it. We don't have the best day every day. My attitude isn't right every single day. My passion level isn't where it needs to be every single day. I do not make the right decisions every single day. But if I have the right team around me, the right team builds me up. The right team strengthens me. The right team guards me. The right team helps me to see the things where I'm failing. The right team helps me make better decisions. When you have the right team around you, you can win a championship. By the way, the ultimate team helps you do more than you could ever do on your own. Let me help you see it from another perspective. I was, I was reading recently, and I came across this great illustration that I, I knew would fit this sermon, so I stuck it right in. This happened like a week or so, maybe two ago. And it was about this draft horse. And it said that a draft horse can, it can actually pull 8,000 pounds by itself. I'm thinking 8,000 pounds. I'd probably have a hernia if I tried to pull 8,000 pounds. Right? You ever see those strong guys where they strap themselves to the semi-truck and then they start pulling themselves and they start pulling the truck? Isn't that amazing to me? I don't know how those guys don't just blow up all of a sudden. Boom, just blow up. So much pressure on the inside. One horse, 8,000 pounds. So then it said, so how many pounds do you think two horses could pull? And I was like, I know the answer, 16,000, right? Because I might be a pastor, but I'm not bad at math, all right? I'm like, 16. And then the next sentence was this. If you said 16, then you're wrong. And I'm like, oh, man, seriously. Yeah, because you would honestly, you would think, wouldn't you, that if one pulls eight, two would pull 16. But it's not that case. When you put two draft horses together, they, they, they can pull greater forces. They actually can pull 24,000 pounds. That's three times the amount. Now, I thought to myself instantly, that's incredible. That's going into this sermon about teamwork. Because just think what one person can do, but when you team up with another person, how much more you can get done. It's, a, it's just a true, it's a true statement. It's a truth, it's a truth about the horses, and it's a truth about you. But then it said, but wait, there's more. And I'm like, wow. There's more. Here we go. When the two horses train together, when they work together on a regular basis and they start to learn each other's rhythms and timing and working with one another, they can now pull four times the amount, 32,000 pounds. I just thought to myself, that's why, we, that's why we have life groups. That's why this message is so incredibly important today that you don't just hear it, but you apply it. That for some of you, if you just choose to live on the island by yourself, you just go through life by yourself, you're only, you're only accomplishing one-fourth of what God wants to do in your life. One-fourth. Because you're selfish and you go to the island yourself. Or because, because when you're in a group, in a tight-knit group with one another, maybe you got wounded 
Right? Or your greatest suffering happen because you do know that when you pull people close to you, your greatest joys are going to happen, your greatest sorrows are going to happen. And if you let your greatest sorrows dictate how you're going to behave the rest of your life, then you're only going to be a quarter of what God intended for you to be. If you're somebody that just comes and you attend here on a Sunday, you're just going to be a quarter of what God asks you to be. It's not until you get in a life group. It's not until you pull a couple of men around you or women. You pull a couple of women around you and you say, listen, you know, I want to go someplace in my life and I want you to help me get there. So what does the ultimate team actually look like then? And just to give you a snapshot of what it looks like, we're going to use Philippians chapter 2 to take a look at this and get some biblical definition to what maybe an ultimate team should look like for your life. Read this with me. Just read it to yourself. Right? If there is any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit, which is the one we're talking about today, are your hearts tender and compassionate, then, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Right? Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Three quick things. First is this. What does the ultimate team look like? The ultimate team looks like a group of people that agree wholeheartedly with each other. One of the things I want you to know about that is it doesn't mean that you have a team of yes people around you. Agree wholeheartedly. It went on to say that 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 group of people would then be in one mind and with one purpose, meaning that they would be functioning in unity together. How in the world can a group of people that are going to be around you to help you become more than just a fourth, but become something incredible with God's purpose and timing in your life, what are they going to need to be to agree wholeheartedly or to be of one mind and one purpose? What, What are they going to need? The number one thing they're going to need is for you to be open and honest and share your big dream with them. Some of you, you've got a dream of what you sense God's stirring in your heart, but you're afraid to even say it to anybody because you feel like it's prideful, or you feel like it's audacious, or you feel like there's too much risk involved with it. Well, you're, you're never going to become more than the fourth if you don't take your dream, the God-sized dream, and share it with the people that are closest to you. They need to know it, or otherwise you can't be agreeing wholeheartedly. You can't be of one mind and one purpose because wholehearted agreement of one mind and one purpose isn't built around what you like. It's built around God's purpose for your life. It's easy to be of one mind and one purpose and to disagree with you when I'm keeping God's dream in the forefront of my mind versus just your emotions and your feelings about it. It's a lot easier, but that means you have to open up and you have to say, this is what I see. This is what I'm dreaming. This is the, this is the passion that God put on my heart that I really want to accomplish, and I need your guys' help to get it done. And not that I need your money. That's not what it is. It's that I, I need your coaching. I need your friendship. I need your prayer. I need you to challenge me. But I need us to be of one heart and one mind according to God's dream, not just my emotions and my feelings. Here's what, here's what else defines the ultimate team. A team that thinks of others as better than themselves. Meaning team members that you know, must want the team to shine and not just the individual to shine. That's what's going to help make your team better. Like I talked about earlier with the Cubs where they don't care. Put, put me in, coach, wherever you need me. Put me in the lineup wherever you need me because I'm playing for the team. And when you got a group of people around you that's playing for the greater good and they're investing into you and they're not trying just to get the fame and the glory for themselves, now you've got the ultimate team. 
Some of you have got people around you that you know that, you know, it's really they're around you so that they feel better about themselves. They're around you so that they can say things that they consider to be smart and give you all the advice. They can try to mother duck you, if you will, right? And that's just for their own glory. That's not for God's glory. And that's not the kind of person that you want to be either. You want a team around you that's looking out for the the greater good of God's purpose and not just for their own individual fame because it's making them feel good to be on the team. Here's the other part about having the ultimate team built around you. It should also be a group of people that take an interest in others. That means that all the team members should actually, check this out, write this down, like each other. Some of us are a part of other people's teams because we feel obligated to it. I'm going to tell you right now, if you feel obligated to a team, you're probably not bringing your best. But if you like the other person, truly taking an interest in the other person, let me just say this to you. You're going to help that person go a long ways. It's really hard to take an interest in others if you're always taking an interest in self. And there's a lot of teams, a lot of people that have groups of people built around them where every person on the team is only interested in themselves. It has to go beyond, beyond you. That's what God's really saying to us here. To build the right team around you, you've got to have a group of people that are interested more in others than they are even in themselves. So that's a little picture of what the ultimate team looks like. I think what's even more important, though, is what does the ultimate team player look like? Because now we're talking about you. The ultimate team player. This is the thing that you can change today. This is the piece that you can manage today. This is the piece that you can bring to God and you can actually do something about it today. right? Because the ultimate team player is being sought after by every manager, every leader, every business owner, and every coach. And by the way, today, everyone that's listening to my voice, you also should be seeking after the ultimate team player to be on your team. But even more importantly than that, We should be asking ourselves the question, am I the ultimate team player for others? Am I the ultimate team player for others? I've found in my life that if you work hard for others and you are the ultimate team player for others, God will bring around you the best team you could ever have. When I was volunteering for youth ministry up in Anchorage, Alaska, I was giving it my best. I was working a full-time job and I was serving in youth ministry about three-quarter time. I would do anything for the youth pastor. Set up the stage, do it. I got it. Create a, create a, a flyer, I, I got it for you. Teach a junior high Sunday school class, I'll do it for you. Preach on a Wednesday night, you got it. Go follow up on some kids, I'll do it. Do some coaching for other youth staff members, you got it, man. Go out of town with you for a, for a weekend event, I, you're, you're, I'm with you. Go Take a week of vacation and go serve at summer camp, I'm your man. And I just served as like the ultimate team player i didn't know that's what the ultimate team player would do sacrifice himself for the greater good be willing to serve in any capacity without looking for any fame i didn't know all these things i was just a dumb young something 20 year old that was just trying to do the best i could because i sensed god told me this is the church to belong and that's the team to belong in i remember the youth pastor one day just crossing by my path and he just simply says to me jeff you will reap what you sow You're sowing great things and you're going to reap something amazing. And I remember the very last day serving with him when he looked me in the eye with tears in his eyes and he said, as I was leaving to go to full-time ministry, he said, the way that you have served me, others are going to serve you 10 times greater. And I found that those words, 
weren't just words from a good man, but those were prophetic words. And all around me, I've had good teams, even great teams. And I would say the team that I get a chance to serve with right now, both in our staff, in our board, our team right now is the greatest team I've ever had the privilege to serve with. And it's like, it's as if God just keeps outdoing himself over and over and over again. And I keep being reminded, remember how you served that man when you got paid nothing. Remember how you got served, how you served that man when you had no title. And I'm continuing to bless you. And if you, Jeff, will continue to have a, a grateful attitude, I will continue to pour out a blessing upon you. I've watched that happen in my life, and I believe that that same thing can happen in your life. But there's a few things you're going to have to wrap your heart around. Let's look at them. Right? The ultimate team player has to understand that you're just one part of the team. You're not the whole team. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 says. It says that he, being Jesus, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own, what kind of work? Special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I, want to, I just want you to notice two things. The ultimate team player recognizes that every part is special. That in whatever auditorium you're sitting in right now, North Platte, the venue are here, the people sitting around you have a special part to play in this church. Your part is not the only part. Your part's not the best part. Guess what? My part's not the only part. My part's not the best part. I'm just one of the special parts. And every other person sitting here today has a special part to play in the whole of the team called New Life. The same thing happens in your life group. You might have a life group leader, but they're just doing their special part. You might be there for the very first time in your entire life, but you're bringing a special part. And what we have to realize is that everybody has a special part to play. And it's not just about me. It's not just about my desires. I have to recognize I'm just one cog in the, whole, in the whole system. And if I do my part really well, then and others do their part really well, we all win. So the ideal team player doesn't put themselves above, above others. Now here's another thing. The ultimate team player recognizes that their part is supposed to help the other parts, what? Grow. The ultimate team player recognizes that part of my mission on the team is not just so that I shine bright. It's so that I help others grow. It's so that I can help others become more like Christ. I serve on the team so that we can make sure that children's ministry is the best it's ever been at New Life. Or so that youth ministry is the best. Or so that the other worship you know, members that are part of my worship team, that they grow. Or part of my tech team, that I'm here today so that you know, I can help them grow. That the best team players are the ones that are constantly taking the spiritual pulse of the team and they're figuring out ways that they can bring spiritual value to others every single day and every moment that they meet together. That's part of what it means to be the ultimate team player. But there's more, way more than that. In fact, if you want to be a Christ-centered team player, then you, got, you have to go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Here's what it has to say about speaking to the ultimate team player. You listen for the pieces that the Holy Spirit might speak to you. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. What did you hear the Holy Spirit saying to you personally 
about maybe the part that he wants you to be working on or part that you need to be playing more than you're playing right now about being the ultimate team player. Because this passage is chocked full of things. And I know that I'm going to mention three quick things to you, but I know, I know this, the Holy Spirit has the ability to speak something very unique to you that I won't even say today. So where should you be listening to? My voice or his voice? You should be listening to his voice. Now I pray that he uses my voice to speak to you, but he might have already spoke to you, and if he did, write it down because it's the thing that he's working on in your life more than anything. First one, the first one right off the bat though is, if you want to be the ultimate team player, then you've got to realize that you motivate one another to acts of love and to good deeds or to good works. And that this is part of our mission. Part of our mission is to motivate, to move people in a direction that looks more like God every single day. But let me just say this to you. You'll never motivate people in the right direction unless you first become a spiritual anchor. If you're not anchored firmly in God's word and spending time in the presence of God, you're motivating people, but you could be motivating them in the wrong direction, in a way that is only going to bring harm to them and damage to them. Let me tell you something else about motivating people that you really got to guard yourself from. In fact, I would just say to you, this is a massive warning. Be careful not to pick up the offense of one of your brothers or sisters. That when they get offended, be very careful not to jump in and go, yeah, that's right, I can't believe that person did that to you. That is so wrong. I can't believe they said that to you. And take their side and just jump in and pick up their offense and hold anger and bitterness towards others. Because the minute you do that is as if you tie up your hands and you can no longer motivate people to love and to good works. Because now you just jumped into the mess with them. Somebody that motivates others to love and to good deeds and good works is someone who rises above that. And while they're while they're The person that's on their team is suffering and hurting and going through a difficult time. They're constantly lifting them up and pointing their eyes to the greater good, to Christ, who's above all these things. Here's another thing about the ultimate team player is that it says, don't let us, um, and, and let us not neglect our meeting together. The ultimate team player meets together often. They want to. So I'm just gonna boldly say this to you today. If you hear my voice, you should be at New Life Church every single Sunday that you're in town. Every Sunday that you're in town and that you're not sick, you should be worshiping with us or if you're not working. You should be here. In fact, you know what? For members, new members at New Life, they actually sign a document that says I'll be in church every Sunday. Not 50% of the time, 75% of the time, every Sunday. In fact, I tell them when you're out of town and you're on vacation or you're out of town for work or whatever, do one of two things. One, go to another church and worship Or two, get online and worship with us like so many are doing at this very moment. In fact, hello everybody that's sitting on their couch with their Cheetos right now. Welcome. You should be in church every Sunday. And there should be something inside of you that goes, I want to be, not I am. Remember, you'll never be a good team player if you feel obligated. If you feel obligated to be here, you're never going to bring your best. It has to be that attitude of, I can't wait to be a part of this larger team called New Life. I want to be there. So stay in close proximity with other New Lifers. Be regular at your life group. Or if you have coffee set up with some people, show up regular. Right? Be there all the time. Because that close proximity with others is what's going to help you be the best team player possible. Lastly, it says these words. Encourage one another encourage one another. Guys, today, 
Today is one of these periods of time in which we live that as believers, we, we, we desperately need others to encourage us. You need to be the ultimate team player, building one another up, pointing out the best in each other, seeing the Jesus in each other and speaking life into that. If you're going to be a person that truly encourages, then you've got to be a person that keeps your eyes on the eternal, not just the here and now. So many of us get wrapped up in the here and now, right? I mean, we get frustrated with the here and now, we get flustered with it. If you want to be the best team player for someone else, keep your eyes on the eternal and keep pointing them to the fact that this world is like a vapor. This life is like a vapor. This world's going to have suffering. It's going to have hardship and difficult times, but Jesus is greater. And you know what? If you want to be the ultimate team player, keep pointing people to the eternal and get their eyes off of the here and now. Let me just wrap this up for you today. This isn't just a good idea. I mean, today's topic is game-changing for the spiritual journey of others. It's game-changing for your journey as well. Jesus put the game change in this, in this kind of a language, though. In John chapter 13, he says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment to love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will do what? It will prove to the world that you are my disciples. See, when we prove to the world that you're a disciple of Christ, we're also saying that Jesus is alive. But how is the world going to know you're a disciple of Christ, or how are they going to know that Jesus is alive? That scripture said when you love one another, when you are in a team with one another, and you're doing all the things we just talked about with the motivating and the meeting together regularly and the encouraging of one another and speaking life into each other, when the world sees that, there's something about it that's attractive that says you love Jesus and that you're pointing the rest of the world to him as well. That's the kind of church new life has been. That's the kind of church that we want to continue to be. And that's the kind of church that's going to change our community in the Kearney area and the North Platte area and wherever else we get a chance to plant a campus. It's that kind of contagious attitude that makes us different than others. And let's be that church and let's live it. So the question for you today is really twofold, right? God's goal for your life is to make you the ultimate team player. So question number one, what is it that I need to grow in to be the best team player? What is it that, what area am I most deficient in that maybe I just need to ask God for his help because God wants to help you. God wants to pour out his resources on you. He might direct you to a book. He might direct you to a podcast. He might direct you to the altars right in front of you just to kneel down and say, God, I need you to help me be a better motivator of people or a better encourager of people or whatever the word is that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Secondarily, though, God's goal is for you to be a part of the very best team possible. Maybe your question today before God is, God, who do I need to ask to be a part of my spiritual journey team? And God, who do I have on my team that maybe I need to bench for a while? Because some of you got people on your team that they aren't motivating you to love and good works. They're enabling you. They're distracting you. They're causing you to trip and fall instead of run and succeed. Those folks need to be put on the bench for a while. Not kicked off the team, just put on the bench for a while. You need to bring the right people around you. All of us need it if we're going to live more than just one day for God, if we're going to live a lifetime for God. Amen? So let's bring those kind of things before the Lord today. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. 
Jesus, I'm so, I'm so thankful that you paid the ultimate price on the cross so that I might be part of your team. Because of your death and your resurrection, and because you were righteous and holy and you died for my sins, I can have a relationship with you. But I'm so grateful and so thankful that I give be a part of your team. But it's not just for me. And Lord, you want me to live my life in such a way that attracts others to your team. You want me to live my life in such a way that's healthy, that allows others to succeed on your team, to run with excitement and, and a fervency in their step, a passion in their heart even. So Lord, I pray for this church that you would anchor them spiritually so that they could be the right encourager, the right motivator. They could be the right person that speaks truth at the right time with wholehearted agreement and with one mind and with one purpose. I pray you'd make this congregation a passionate, loving congregation towards one another so that the world might see that we're your followers and that you are truly alive. Continue to grow this church as we strive to live dead, dead to this world, and alive in Christ. May your will be done, and may your kingdom come in our individual lives as it happens even in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.